you for joining the Obsessively Outspoken Podcast and YouTube channel. I am joined by Jan. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Robert. And I understand that you are a client of Heather. Yes, I am. Okay, uh, author of Victim to Victory, Healing Generational Abuse for My Bloodline. And I want you to give us uh, how, tell us how you met Heather, what led you down that path. Well, to make it short, to keep it short, um, I had heard, heard the word Kundalini Yoga about six, seven years ago, and I ended up wanting to know more about that. So I was actively looking for a teacher, not in a big group, but okay. a personal teacher, because I'd heard about these big groups and that kind of gets diluted so much that to me that wasn't where I wanted to go. And at one point there was this person that was doing a talk in a library and that was Heather and she ended up talking about Kundalini Yoga and electrolyzed reduced water. And me being, I always thinking like, oh, I'm fine. I'm, I've got no problems in my life. I all of a sudden realized the lack of water in my life. I never drank water unless it was in coffee and lots of it. And I, that is what brought me to Heather and I started doing some tentative little weekend workshops with her. Okay. Uh, which I really enjoyed. Now, how long did it last? Yeah. Uh, th these weekend workshops were just like two hours or three hours a day for two days. And okay. that, that took about three, four months that I did that. And then I thought, mm, maybe I want to do some more. Maybe I want to get more into this work. Because it was kind of resonating with me. I was enjoying the interaction, both with the teacher and the other people in the group. Uh, small groups, but it's like when you, in an intimate group, you meet as strangers and you leave as family. Sure. Because you, you share intimate stuff with each other. You can't help it, you just do it because the right questions are asked. And uh, so that's how I got started and got really involved in the work. And at what point did you say, what happened exactly for you to say, you know what, I want to... Yeah, good one. There was one session, first of all, before that, um, I was really interested in the work with Heather because she was giving me practical exercises to work on this physical, incredible machine. Uh, just imagine, you stuck your toe and the word ouch comes out of your mouth. Right. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. It's the computer chip that receives the message, something is wrong down there. Then the brain says, time to say something, to give a warning. Now, we've done that all our lives. We've stored stuff through physical hurt, through emotional hurt, through things we perceive as good or bad. So by the time I was an adult, all this stuff is stored up here, and that has directed how my life went. So when I started to learn about these protocols, about putting your fingers and your, your feet, your body in certain positions to activate energy in your body, I, I related to that. 
because I could feel it. And one particular afternoon, I was in a very, with only one other person, and I was working with the other person, and he said, you go sit in the corner and go do a simple exercise. I'd done nothing bad, but I was in the right place. So I did this exercise where I, I connected certain, certain meridian points of my fingers over and over again for an hour. And with that came sounds, sa, ta, na, ma. And when I did it for an hour, I said, okay, she says I need to do this, I'll do it. And I did. When I came out of that particular afternoon meditation, I felt exactly the same tranquility as years before that I had done a three-day and three-night fishing quest in the water forest. I'd sat there for three days, three nights, no food, no water, no nothing. And I came out of that with a level of tranquility like before that I had never experienced. And this was the second time, but only after the work, one hour. Wow. I didn't have to sit for three days and three sure, nights yeah. to get that kind of result. That sold me 100%. This is the way to go to really get in tune what's happening in the body and heal whatever residue there is of the past experiences. I had had accidents, I'd come off motorbikes at 70 miles an hour, I'd been in concussion for, for half an hour, and I thought, ah, that's not a problem, I'm here, I'm fine. But that I'm here, I'm fine, came from my upbringing, where mom and dad were always fine. And I, I really tuned into my dad, and he was always positive. He never had a negative thing to say about anybody. Mm -hmm. I doubt that he even thought anything negative. Sure. However, they came each out of a family. Their, their parents had endured the First World War. Mm -hmm. My parents, at teenage and a little bit older age, had endured the Second World War. And they came from families of 11 kids each. Mm -hmm. They had endured unbelievable stuff. Then some of that got transferred onto me too. Mm -hmm. and, and through the work with Heather, I learned about why do I feel guilty about my life? Why do I feel lesser than somebody else? All these, all these emotional crap stuff You're fine. <laughs> kept, kept coming up, like bubbling up, like came to a sort of a crescendo, like I can't deal with this anymore, but I'm feeling it all the time. And I would bring my frustrations to Heather, of course, and she probably would, oh God, not another one, but she persevered and taught me the techniques to learn to release all those old uh, frustrations, habits, guilt feelings, and not through telling me, you know, oh, you can do this, you can do that. No, practical techniques, proof of techniques, like 5,000-year-old techniques that really helped any physical body to take care of themselves. We're so used to saying, oh, I got an ache. Which doctor can look at that and give me what pill? 
I've never believed in that, but until recently I didn't know I could do something about it myself because it's just energy flowing through your body that you can direct once you learn how to direct that energy. So, my upbringing was not traumatic, but I was so sensitive as a little kid, I learned to hide from the way my mom and dad had learned to parent from their parents. Okay. So, to me it was safer to hide behind a shield than to be spontaneous and honest because I got too much flack around that. I was the odd one out. I was too sensitive. Yeah, things like that. So this is your first time after seeing Heather that you feel like you're actually living life as you were meant to? I, I've worked with Heather for about two years, two and a half years. And I can honestly say I'm starting a brand new life. Brand new. So you're more spontaneous? I'm more spontaneous and I'm still working on it. What, it isn't like, oh, I'm healed, ah, I'm done. Right. No, that keeps going. We, we keep progressing if we keep doing the work that we need to do for ourselves. But we become more aware of who we are. Oh, put it more personal, I've become more aware who I am and learn to, learn to discern when I'm not looking after myself and when I am looking after myself, directing my own life instead of going by what I've been taught by society, even through the schooling system, the educational system, the, the medical system, it is all based on past knowledge, how we get taught how to behave in the future. And we are living in a changing times, it doesn't work anymore. And, and the amount of suicides, cancers, other diseases, oh, the amount of hotels and uh, hospitals being built, pharmaceutical companies growing, that should tell you something, what isn't working. So that's how I look at it, and I'm, I'm not screaming it from the top of the roof. I just live it. I just try to be an example what life can be like. Sure. So you kind of jumped ahead of me on because I was going to ask you how different is Heather's program than any other programs okay. out there. One key thing you said was the practical aspect of it, yeah. the homework, the exercises that you have to do outside of the sessions when you're navigating the real world to actually apply it. Yes. And, and that's what you think is key, is actually, because, I mean, th theoretically, it's great to hear, but to apply it is something different. Yeah. You have real life experiences. I, uh, I've been searching for something deeper from a very young age, about seven. And when I was about 30, my first marriage failed. And for several reasons, of course. And after that, I really wanted to find out more of who I was. I uh, had heard from, about astrology. I had heard about mediums. But it hadn't worked for me. Life wasn't working for me at all. Uh, at that time, I also had a bout of cancer that really sparked the urge to find out more. Who am I? 
what am I, what am I about? I've never really been happy. I put on a happy face. I've learned to be good at that. However, I haven't been deep down. I go at night, a good example. I go to bed at night before then and I feel alone. Whether I was with my wife, whether I had my kids, whether I had my business, whatever I did in life, in the wee hours of the middle of the night, I would feel desperately alone. And from that I knew there was something missing in my life. Something I couldn't even put a name to. I started to cry. Okay. It's like that is getting close to touching the essence of my life. I, I believe we've all come to do something here. Sorry. No, 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 you're fine. I can relate, I'm listening, I can relate more than you think. I'm listening to you and I've gone, I've never felt happy, I've, I've always felt alone. So I'm listening to you and it's hitting me a certain way too. So go ahead, take your time. So I started looking for answers, so to speak, and I got involved with a spiritual group, the inner peace movement. And where there were some practical exercises, but the exercises were about talking about how to behave, how to, it was talking again. Gotcha. So, <laughs> through that I met my second wife, and through my childhood conditioning, I married her. <laughs> I can explore that on that later if you like. Go on, what a life. It's wonderful. But anyway. I went through another 30-year cycle, was in the second marriage, and we had met at a spiritual retreat, and we were exploring things together. I started to study hypnotherapy. I wanted to become a hypnotherapist. I did psychotherapy. I did, you name it, I've done it. And it, to me, it's always been about, if you do something, look for the best so that you actually learn something. Sure. My first father-in-law always said, I'm too cheap, I can't afford specials. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that came from. <laughs> yeah, so quality is important to me. And all the talk therapy did for me in all the different modalities was, I feel great till Sunday night, the end of the weekend or the week or the month, I did one six-week retreat that was deep and heavy duty, and a week later, all I had was the credit card bill. <laughs> but life was still back to the way it was. I had not improved my life. And I've done that so many times that when three years ago, two and a half years ago, that one exercise was had, I, I got that same exact feeling as years before with the vision quest, I knew I'd found something that really worked for this physical body to get rid of the layers of through which I was trying to live. It's like putting on more coats and more coats and trying to let the sun shine in. Can't shine in because you've got to take the clothes off to let the sun shine in. Put it in a simple way. Well, I'm glad you're on this journey. And you talked about seven. What is 
the need to feel for some look for something deeper. Yeah. And I can definitely relate to that. And I can also relate to living life and always constantly feeling like something is off. Yeah. Like something is not right. And I call it unhappiness, call it unfulfillment, but it just always felt as long as, long as I can remember, something is just off. Yeah. And so when you were talking about your experience, um, I knew exactly what you're talking about. So thank you for sharing that. Can you tell me a little bit more about the uh, father archetype? Yeah. I'll cry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I love my dad. He was such a sweet man and such a good heart. And he taught me to just be there for whoever wants your energy. And he married. That's besides the point. <laughs> um, he was such a sweet man, but he never questioned his life where it was heading. I think he was deeply unhappy himself, but he had grown up with the words, that's the cross you bear. It's the lot in your life. This is your life. This is how it plays out. If it should have been different, God would have given you something different. So he just accepted it for what it was, and he never changed. He, he was a good man till the day he died in his late 80s. He was always doing stuff for other people. So I grew up with him, but emotionally he, he wasn't there. My mom wasn't there emotionally. I had no connection with my mother. So when I became a dad, I was there for everybody else, but not really for my kids. Yeah. I, I believe I was there to a greater extent than my dad. I have very fond memories of that. But I had not learned how to be a dad. I, was, I remember vividly that one day I woke up in the morning and realizing I have three kids. Yeah. What the hell am I doing? How do I handle that? How am I going to be with them? And as quickly as that thought came up one morning, I put it back down deep inside because I was scared. I was really scared. All of a sudden I had to be this responsible man when in essence looking back, I was a boy. I never changed to being a boy. Hmm. I had never had respect for the women in my life. I had never learned what respect means towards women. I had grown up in a little village and I went live in Amsterdam with all its mayhem. That was my school. That's where I learned what life was like. And nothing in there was anything about parenthood reading English was my second language. I escaped to New Zealand after I grew up in Holland. And all of a sudden, my time was taken up about learning a new language. Reading books about parenthood wasn't in my vocabulary. So I kind of was blindfolded being a dad, doing the best that I could. It was a traumatic experience many times because I knew they needed something and I didn't know how to give it to them. Right. So I, I feel 
I had many shortcomings towards them. But I, I've, I've told them this. I've, I've talked to the girls individually and, and they thanked me for what I did do for them. So uh, that was healing in many ways. And I know they have their own, own angels. They are looked after very well now and they're doing great. Okay. So, but me as a dad, I can't turn the clock back. But I wish I had known better what I was doing to be more often father to them rather than occasional father, occasional playmate, occasional madman screaming at them for not doing what I want them to do. It's like there has to be a better way of parenting. And I hope that's, yeah, I hope that's more of the future. When, uh, yeah, that's all really. Okay. So we're now joined by Heather. And Heather, would you like to tell us a little bit more about the experience you had with Jan being a father archetype? Yes. Um, I didn't realize probably, um, it's probably about five or six months in um, when I was working with Jan that I realized that he reminded me a lot of my biological father. And the more that I got to know him through the sessions, um, he had a lot of his traits. He was, uh, he had a low self-esteem. He had a lot of anger, repressed anger, misdirected. He had trouble communicating. He didn't really have much of a voice, literally, like he didn't, you know, wasn't able to complete sentences, couldn't express his feelings. So it was really amazing to watch him express himself today. That's, I was sitting there like, yeah. Um, he had, um, he did have trauma. In fact, he, he kind of, I don't wanna say fluffed over a little bit, but he did have a trauma that came up at age two in our work together that I do think was significant. Do you mind if I mention Not at all. He was um, with two babysitters, um, sexually abused in a way, uh, at two years old. And that came up, it took a long time before that came up. And for me, he had so much trauma in his body. And if you believe in past lives, um, I do believe some people carry trauma in from a past life to heal. But he had so much trauma, it didn't kind of add up when he was telling me about his childhood. Um, but as time went on and we were doing the work, all of a sudden I got the download. I didn't say anything because I never say information. I want the, the client to come to me with the information. And then it started to come out during one of the sessions and I knew. And what was really interesting about that is you're two years old, but physically as he was shaking and cradling in a fetal position, you could see all the fear in his body. And he could see that he could remember seeing the babysitters ridicule him. And they were verbally kind of making him feel bad. Um, and I believe that violation actually scarred him into his relationships with his two wives and, and females in general, scarred his, his, his um, radar and understanding. So it's amazing sometimes when people come to me, if you read my book, Victim to Victory, I did suffer with some amnesia. Clients will come and they won't quite understand why they're going through or having sort of personality traits or mood swings, and it's just they have amnesia. 
that has to come out through a brain protocol or through shaking through the Kangen water. So that's one thing. But as I continue to work with him, I will say, this is, I don't know if he, well, he frustrated me a lot. I got really frustrated with him. I'm very passionate. I really, I go all in with my clients, but because my relationship with my father, I was always frustrated because I felt that he was verbally and emotionally abused by my mom, by my perspective. He took it, he did not protect me or my brother, and he did not have a voice or leave or own his life. And he was just this wounded little boy. And um, and I felt like I was his therapist and healer. And it was frustrating. He was like, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a child, you're supposed to be raising me. You know, and so with Jan, I would get frustrated um, at his behavioral patterns, with his relationship issues, with his work issues, because I saw potential, because I saw this incredible heart and spirit and soul. And I knew that potential. So um, I will say, you know, this archetype was harder for me. Okay. It was harder for me. Um, I, I even, there were moments where I felt I was judgmental. And I had to deal with that. And then there were moments where I remember surrendering and realizing you have to love this person unconditionally. You have to love your father unconditionally. You have to love the fact that your father, that's where he was, he couldn't do any better. You have to love the fact that Yaman is doing the best that he can. He is moving in his pace. He is, and when I surrendered, that was really easy as, as a teacher and a healer. Now, granted, You've heard Miriam in a past um, interview, you're hearing Yon. These are two rare students. Most of my students, I don't have this soul connection. They don't remind me of my parents in this deep, deep sense. I believe that both these people came in to help me heal fully my issues with my biological. And I've had discussions with both of them, both to thank them for, for honoring me with their presence, but also because it's just been an interesting subject matter. So I didn't have a father, you know, I didn't really have a father figure. And as time went on, that affected my relationships with dating, you know, my relationships with self-esteem. What does a father do for you? How, you know, I, I don't know, you know, and as time goes on, Jan and I have conversations and we see that there's a lot of people in the world walking around without a father figure. And, and actually, Jan's claiming, I see it in society where people call him their father figure, spiritual father figure. So he's stepping into that role for other people as well now. Yeah, I know Heather talked about you not having a voice. How difficult was it for you to express that experience you had at two years old? Well, agony. Agony at first, too. I felt I had no right to say anything about what had happened in the past. I felt I, I couldn't, I physically, I could not get my voice out. In some of the sessions with her, I would try to, try to bring it out and the whole body would ache and shake, but I could, I don't know how many sessions, <laughs> but the words would not come out. Not even a sound would come But the out. body was telling you, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I would feel it in the whole body. Okay. But I had learned to not say anything. Okay. 
suffering silence, the Catholic way. Suffering, oh, you must be doing something right. Ooh. Now, what would you experience physically? This general tension, tension in the whole body, uh, like muscles feel like steel rods instead of, you know, just muscles, and, and a lot of cramp afterwards. And at night, I'd have, I'd wake up in a cramp because all of a sudden this was all bubbling up this stuff. His story was bubbling up. If some of you out there who have studied trauma might know the famous uh, psychologist in Europe, Alice Miller, who's passed away, but she wrote the book, The Body Never Lies, which is a book I refer to some of my clients if they want to become educated that the body's not going to lie. The mind may lie. Yeah. We, we, that's why I, talk, I don't believe talk therapy is that productive, honestly. Um, and my teacher, Yogi Budget talks extensively about that because there's a whole reprogramming that has to happen with your tongue and your mouth and all that placement to actually rewire the way you think and speak. So if you just keep speaking the same words from childhood to a talk therapist, you're just gonna actually ingrain what you don't want. So the thing is, is with Jan, his body wasn't lying, just like my abuse, it wasn't lying. And so this also brings up the question of when people get aches and pains, when their disc goes out of whack, is it really a physical injury or is it trauma trying to be released? Is it information of a story trying to be released to free you? Now, releasing that trauma, you're crying, you're shaking, it's painful, but releasing it, I think you can speak with a healer and somebody experienced is a safe place, I think, and a place where then you're free on the other side, right? Um. The only place to do this work at is when you feel safe with somebody. And I trust Heather 100% in everything she does. If she says, do, do certain things, I, I just do it. I don't question it. If I were questioning it, I would question if I'm with the right person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I had made that decision two and a half years ago after that one particular exercise that once you know you trust somebody, you follow them, you do what you're supposed to do, you do it regularly, you do your homework. If you don't you do your homework, you're the only one paying for it. And you're actually you're paying a big price because you're dishonoring yourself and you're dishonoring the teacher who's there for you. So that goes hand in hand. And that can come back to you later on to Karma. Yeah, yeah. So I think once he was able to start shaking and crying and release it, that's when the voice slowly, slowly came very out. Very slowly. Yeah, very yeah. slowly. Mm -hmm. Part of that process was also for me to forgive those two women. Mm -hmm. I had to sit down. At one point, I remember going like, how long am I going to? revisit this thing and how long am I going to remember this first I had to make peace with the fact that it had happened then I had to make peace with that they were still out there doing whatever they're doing and then I realized I need to forgive them so I can let them go uh, which I did and that's why I I hadn't even thought about it. I know, I know. That's just wonderful. I'm not trying to hide it, but no, that's, just, yeah. that's just another thing. 
I went to Siberia and oh yes, <laughs> I was actually there was there too. Yeah. But it is not an issue anymore no, yeah. because I really released it. So Absolutely. It's not part of this computer anymore. Uh -huh. And you have a voice now for a reason. You have a yes. voice that has to be silent yes. anymore, so you might as well just Yeah, I can share it. You can share it now. Yeah, I'm an open book right? If I can what and I'm finding that with several people in my life at the moment, the more honest I am communicating what I feel, the more beneficial it can be for the person on the other side of me, because there may be something in it that is just what I wanted to, needed to hear. Absolutely. So if I stop screaming what I'm saying to somebody, just let it flow, then I'm doing my part in the communication process instead of wondering, I can't say that, or I shouldn't say that. Forget about that. Just say what you feel that you want to say and, and let it flow. Agreed. So. And I think, so one of the things as Jan continued his process of healing and he also was an extremely disciplined and focused student and took the work seriously, um, so he was another example of these sciences do work if you actually do the work, which was really wonderful, is as he unraveled the hard shell, there was this beautiful, warm, loving soul that there's masculine and feminine energy. And it's been really healing for me to watch him, to know him, to see him interact with the community. And that a real man cries and that a real man doesn't have to be this hard swearing, you know, image. Um, it doesn't have to, when they're upset, be angry, raise their voice, but lovingly just say, hey, you know, what's going on? So for me to watch that progression has just been really healing for me as a woman. I would like to add one thing. There was one aspect that has really helped me too, and thank you for the introduction of the canyon water. The electrolyzed reduced water has really taught me that not only emotionally we can heal our body, but physically we heal our body through the, through the Kundalini Yoga process, but also through the taking in the right water that benefits our body instead of adding more chemicals to our body. Uh, I think that's crucial in the healing process. It is because Jan, it took about a year as he was drinking the water consistently, gallon, gallon, half a day, that the crying and the shaking started to happen. I do recommend and educate my clients on the water. I send them the doctors who are on my team. I send them the clinical research. It's been in Japan's hospitals for 44 years. So this machine's not going anywhere. It has its stamp. It is the best. Um, and the healing properties last for 24 hours. And I tell my clients when they come on board, look, I'm not trying to sell you a product. I'm just telling you if you want a full healing, it's my responsibility to say you're going to need this product. And you're really going to want it for the rest of your life for all the health benefits anyway. But um, I also noticed Jan's thinking got better. I, I think the oh, water. Absolutely. Yeah. I think clearer. Yeah. My memory is getting better again. And and I first time I noticed that was, oh, I remember phone numbers again. 
I read them two times and I can remember them the, the next day. It's like little telltales. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my eyesight, I took my glasses off because within six months of getting new glasses, they don't work anymore. Mm. My right eye sees better without glasses. Mm. For whatever reason, but mm -hmm. it's a combination of, of everything course. I'm doing, probably. Yeah, yeah. It's just funny to notice that. <laughs> so. That's quite a testimony. Yeah. And so, Heather, anything else you want to share? Jan, anything else you want to share? No, but I can. No. Thank you. Okay. Well, I want to thank Heather and Jan, especially Jan, for being vulnerable and telling your story and really having an impact on me. And I'm sure you have an impact on everyone else. Who Get a chance to see this. Um, and also, uh, look at the episode where Heather and I talk about her book, Victim to Victory, more in detail. And also, stay tuned to more episodes coming soon. Thank you for joining us. My name is Remington. See you soon.